Hello there, and welcome back to Multiverse Monologues, the podcast show where we like to travel across the multiverses and fandoms that we love to talk about the movies and television shows that accompany those universes. And today is a very special day. It's it's Christmas time. It's December 5th at the time of this recording. And over the past few years, I would say the past decade now, Star Wars has always been a... A Christmas thing for me. Whenever Christmas comes around, Star Wars is always around with it. Since 2015, since Star Wars The Force Awakens, and today, myself and, first of all, introductions out of the way, Mr. Wensloff is here with me. Mr. Wensloff, how are you? I'm good, as I am most days, and we're talking about Star Wars, and that's its full title, original title, Star Wars. We're talking about that today, and I've never felt the pressure more than sitting down to record this one, because where do we begin with this movie? There is so much that goes into this film, and yeah, I'm mainly excited that we're talking about this now, because next week, or whenever we get around to it, <laughs> oh we get the, the Star Wars Holiday Special. So that's what we've that's what we've wanted to do. We've wanted to during Christmas time and hopefully if if this catches on, you know, if we if we enjoy this process, we're going to do all the Star Wars movies. But Star Wars just as a film franchise in and of itself means so much to so many different people for so many different reasons. And it's going to be very interesting to hear what you have to say. We watched this together. And I, I think what we're going to do is we're going to rank them all, just like we're doing with the Marvel movies, the Marvel movie marathon. But this is going to be the Star Wars movie marathon. But we're going to start off with the first three, including the fourth being the holiday special. And that's going to be pretty much this winter time, basically around Christmas time, because that's what it's been. 2015, man. That was a Force Awakens. And since then, a Star Wars movie has released, with the exception of 2018. Or a TV show during Christmas time, and this year is lacking, man. We don't have any Star Wars mm-hmm. to accompany the 2022 season, man. And it it, it feels. I mean, do we have anything last year? I don't think we had anything last year either. No, but, but we also have to highlight that we're fresh off Andor, which is the start of the rebellion, and it's just got us thinking so much of the OG trilogy. Because spoilers for Andor, if you see the ending of that, the post credit scene to be specific, you get to see that Cassian and everyone on Narkinified help construct the Death Star. So yes, just rolling off Andor and just the holiday season. A lot of what's going on right now is we just want to talk about Star Wars. It felt like the right time. And where better to start than the beginning? So before we get into it, it would be greatly appreciated if you guys could uh, like and subscribe, go on YouTube. It would be greatly appreciated because that would uh, that would boost the algorithm and get our channel out there. That would be great. We're growing. We got a lot of cool stuff coming out on YouTube and also give us a, a follow on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We are now on uh, uh, many different platforms where you can get all of your podcasts no matter what, you know, SoundCloud, I'm pretty sure it's there's a the Google Podcast or something like that. I, I basically went in and threw it up everywhere so go on there listen take a listen we got marvel movie marathon we're going to start this and we've got a bunch of other cool things coming out so with all that out of the way let's hit the hyperdrive and head over to the star wars galaxy
Skywalker was just a farm boy until he received a mysterious message. Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. The rescue of beautiful princess. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Too short for a stormtrooper. And defend the forces of freedom against the Death Star. Here they come. The winner of seven Academy Awards, the legendary Star Wars. Rated PG. Starts Friday at a theater near you. Star Wars, not a new hope from 1977 from George Lucas. And that's starring Mark Hamill, Harrison Ford, Carrie Fisher, the greats, man. You talk about pressure. Talking about this movie, there's there's nothing. <laughs> I mean, this is the biggest. This is the movie that really changed Hollywood. Legit, man. No other movie, I would say, has been this influential as far as Hollywood goes, as far as rights to film Go as far as music and everything, it changed the game, man. So before we talk about the legacy and what we think of the movie, I want to talk about our personal history with Star Wars because that in and of itself, that's where you get into Star Wars. I don't care who you are, you know who's you know what Star Wars is, and you have a personal connection to your childhood because I mean, if you were unlucky, Star Wars was not part of your childhood. But for me and you, I would say it was. So very much so. What yeah. is your what is your the first thing you can remember experiencing of any Star Wars media ever? See, th- this is where it's really hard because I don't know. It Star Wars legit has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. As far like I don't ever remember watching this movie for a first time. I don't. It's always been a part of me, and that kind of goes back to like childhood amnesia and things you remember from being real young. My dad, he just, we, we had these on v- VHS, and I watched them from such a young age that I do not remember watching this original trilogy for the first time. And then also, with what all goes into this original trilogy, we had the benefit of also having the Lego game, the complete saga growing up. So I played those side by side also huge part of my childhood and then the toys that my dad had my dad had all his original trilogy hasbro toys that we would play with when we go over to my grandma's house so all of this kind of smushes it together so i i do not have an earliest star wars memory because it's just always been a part i can't think of the first time i remember seeing darth vader darth vader's just always been a part of my life and a part of my, embedded in my brain so it's tough. I I can't pinpoint. It's really a unique situation. It really is. Nothing is like this because that, I mean that's how important the movie is because when when it's it, when it's like I can't remember where I first saw this. It's like that's how big this movie is. I don't. I wish. No, I could the say. fact that my dad showed it to me and it was just from such a young age to where I physically couldn't remember the first time I saw Star Wars. I should go home and ask him when was the first time. I sat in front of the TV and watched Star Wars with you. Because I'm sure I had to have been fresh out of the womb. I know that. I, I, I mean, I think about this a lot. How to introduce my future kids, mm-hmm. if the Lord allows, into Star Wars. You know, what do I show them first? Is it this movie? Do I, do I start with episode one? What do I show them first? So I think about that a lot, though. But... Your dad would probably know. I remember. I remember. I was old enough to where I watched these with my dad for the first time with him. Mm. But I would say my first memory is actually with the Phantom Menace and the pod race sequence. 
And that was it. We were up late. Mom threw it on. It was on cable. She just threw it on. And me and John were sitting there. We watched the pod race sequence. We were invested. We wanted to know if Anakin would win. Then she shut it off and said we had to go to bed. And I was like, what? The movie's still going. What? Mm-hmm. How, how do we do this? And then I remember, I don't remember ever watching it, but I remember they rented the, the old ones because even they knew that you had to watch these ones first to start with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm kind of leaning there to, sto- to show my kids. I'm like, you got to show them four. Well, or the, I should say Star Wars. You have to consider it this way. That's how you started. You started with this movie, with Star Wars, what is now called A New Hope, and we all call it A New Hope now. So Star Wars Episode Four. you started with this one, and you are the biggest Star Wars fan I know. So clearly it worked. But it's so hard to not be like ingrained in this movie. Like, I, you know, mm-hmm. my nephew, Peter, I, I got my lightsaber and I show it to him. And he like lights up every time he gets it. Can I turn it on? Can I turn it off? Mm-hmm. It, he gets so engrossed in it because it's that like, it's that cool, man. I mean, who can, who thought up an idea of having laser swords and also guns in the same universe in a galaxy far, far away and then having it told in this grand space opera story, which when you look at the history, I mean, no one wanted this, man. No one thought this would work. Yeah, and looking at this from a... Because I don't have a memory of seeing this for the first time. It's just always been a part of my life. Looking at it from that angle and trying to see, what would it be like to see this stuff for the first time? Because you get so caught up in Star Wars, you forget what is actually super, super cool about this movie. You know, you see you see R2-D2 and C-3PO all the time. You don't think anything of it. But that's so cool. That's so cool, these characters. And just their look and design, the feel of just everything in this movie. It hit me when we were watching it. Because it starts off with them. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's pretty much... I mean, you have some interactions with Leia and Captain Antilles on the... Um, oh, frick, what's the ship called? Oh, not, it's not Home 1. It's the freaking, the freaking, oh, the cruiser, the rebel cruiser. Oh my gosh. I'm going to kill myself. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. This is horrible. Before we recorded this podcast, Beth's like, I don't <laughs> need my phone. This is Star Wars. I, I won't have to look up anything. The Tantive Four. There, there it is. All oh right. There you go. There you go. You <laughs> but you me. have R2-D2 and C-3PO for the first chunk of this movie. For 15 minutes, you're with these two droids. Those are your main characters. Those are your introduction to Star Wars. You know, it's it's so it's so interesting Who watching it. Yeah. Who would do that in 1977? The biggest movie that came out before that, I'm pretty sure, was Jaws in 1975, and that was like the big first blockbuster mm-hmm. Steven Spielberg did. So, and and John Williams did the music for that. So George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, who were great friends, he, Steven Spielberg was talking with him on this, and he he was like, "How are you going to make this if you've never seen?" The making of Star Wars documentary that's on Disney Plus, it is the most fantastic piece of history that you will ever see. It's so interesting to see just how little faith not only the executives at <laughs> at 20th Century Fox had, but even the actors mm-hmm. had in this film. Han Solo and Luke Skywalker, Harrison Ford and Mark Hamill, they were quoted as saying, like, yeah, they would just goof off. They would goof off on the set unless Alec Guinness yeah, was there. Yeah. It reminded me of how much fun we had. We were all escaping from the Death Star and running up the ramp into the saucer-shaped ship. And it was in between shots. And we were all goofing around. Oh, 
And it had a nice contrast, I thought, too, because we felt like we were strangers in a strange land. We were all so American, working with all these guys that went to the Royal Academy of Dramatic Arts. I mean, it's crazy to think about that even now, in 2022, literally 45 years ago, this movie was released, and it's still, I mean, still, when we were watching it, it's still as entertaining as you can possibly get for a 45-year-old movie. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so... Watch it's any other 45-year-old movie. I, I don't know if you'll be this entertained. No. Yeah, there, I mean, there are certain movies, but not action movies like this, like Star Wars. I mean, did you, do you think while you're watching this that the special effects are, are like, old and dated? Well, we also have to bring in the fact that we watched the remastered version when we watched this together. So we had all of uh, George Lucas's fun new additions and uh, CGI creatures <laughs> crawling in front of the screen. Yeah. But no, when when I you can still look and you can still see all the practical effects in there. And sure, things move a little slower, but they still look really good. So when was the last time you've seen episode one? Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. Ooh. Um, I couldn't tell you. I was I, watching that. Yeah. It's been a while. Uh-huh. It's yeah, it's been say, a while. I was watching that build of my Falcon, and I'm not going to lie, with the crisp 4K HD, the effects are looking a little dated, but that's because mm-hmm. he used CGI. Yeah. But for this, mm-hmm. the effects will always be what they are because they're practical. They're real, yeah. I mean, that's how cool it is, man. So even, I mean, go go another 50 years, another 45 years into the future, and you're still going to have this movie. But as technology gets better and better, those prequels are going to start looking a little dated because yeah. that's how you get when you, I mean, when you, I mean, it's revolutionary technology at the time he created that. Yeah, and to sidetrack from Star Wars a little bit, this is really cool that... Last week we talked about the very start of the MCU, and now we're starting or talking about the very start of Star Wars. It's it's like poetry; it rhymes. Obviously, Star Wars came many, many, many years before Iron Man, but yeah, something that we said made Iron Man so great were the practical effects, and it's cool to see that yeah, th- those roots come from Star Wars. Practical effects really do mean a lot and change a lot. And I remember having this conversation to you about when we were talking about Book of Boba Fett and you're talking about Ahsoka and mm. her uh, Montrols, are they called? Yep. Yeah. How you want those to, you like, you could just CGI those, make them look more accurate. And I don't know, you, I don't know, you weren't really critiquing the practicality of it, but we kind of had that discussion. So I, I, I do still support, highly support practical effects. And I think. Yes. Yeah. I'm into that. I, but I do, I do feel like we're at a point now where you could, mm-hmm. if you wanted For sure. to, and we've like, seen it. We've it, seen right, it, right? Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, even even in episode three, I mean, Shock T, mm-hmm. she she had the full. I mean, she didn't do practical effects like Ahsoka does, but I feel like there's a way to do it. But with this, I mean, he had his ideas, and I mean, I want to I want to say this first of all. What do you think of the special edition changes? I mean, do you? Because uh, have you ever seen this movie without? Yeah, for sure. The VHSs that we had growing up, they uh, they were just uh, the the regular. If you watch the special editions now, especially, we'll talk about it when we get to Return of the Jedi. But there's a whole sequence in there added. But these, I 
I think, like, I don't know. Why, George? Like, I like going back and crispifying some of the, the details on ships, maybe. But why we need that Jabba the Hutt scene in there, or why we need these big CGI creatures walking in front of the screen, literally <laughs> taking up 100% of the space on the screen, I don't know. That's just how George Lucas works. And also, Han. Han shot first. We all know that. Right. That we all know stupid. that. Yeah. He has the mind of, because he wanted to make the prequels be as grandiose as like the originals. He mm-hmm. wanted the originals to be as grandiose as, as the prequels. Excuse me. But he didn't have, obviously he didn't have the technology, so he had to do all that practically. So when he had it, he was like, <laughs> I guess he just didn't know what to do with he, it. it. He was a child on a playground playing with all right. these different toys. I, I or like, sandbox, I guess. I like yeah. the Jabba the Hutt added sequence. I kind of like that. I'm not going to lie. It gives you a nice little through line to Return of the Jedi because there's this guy. You have a face of the Hutt mm-hmm. who's behind all these crimes. Also, you get your little cameo of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. But there's one other special. There's one other uh, special edition change in here that I really like. I can't think of it right now, but for the most part, yeah, it, it's not. It's it's just not needed. Why change something? And especially now, because you can't even get it unless you have a VHS player. I know. I proudly these own. Are, these are the only ways to watch them now. Exactly. I, I wish they would release them on Disney Plus. Just the original, uncut. I mean, don't even restore it to 4K. Just just keep it the same way as it was. Grainy and yeah, yeah. retro. It's a nice retro yeah, yeah. movie, you know? But I mean, that that aside, that's really... I mean, as far as complaints go, that's really all I have. The the special edition retroactive changing. I mean, some of it looks dated, but you can't count that against it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything else to complain about? No, I. <laughs> it's so hard to look at this in a like I guess critical way because every single word said in this film and everything that happens is the literal definition of iconic. It just is. Every line said, every character on screen, every costume worn, it just it's the definition of iconic. It's it's I, I don't know how to critically look at this film. <laughs> and we're go- obviously we are going to we are going to give it a score. And I have one in mind. I was thinking about it beforehand as I was I was I was watching videos and I was just kind of prepping for it. But I was like at the end of the day Star Wars is one of those things where you you really just have to look at your own experience mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. and kind of shut out the critics because they can say they can say what they want but Star Wars is so personal and I think that's why it's been so like well received by so many different people cuz I mean as much as the last Jedi gets crapped on I mean there's there as many people crap on it there are as many fans yeah yeah there are people who legitimately like the decisions that were made in that movie mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, it's kind of like how you feel is how you just need to feel. And you got to be just real with that. I would say another thing that adds to the – you were saying everything's iconic in this movie. And I think none more so than obviously Darth Vader. Mm -hmm. You have to take – I mean he he has literal – minutes of screen time you can count it almost on one finger how many minutes of screen time he has in this mm-hmm. movie and he is still without a doubt to this day on december 5th of 2022 the most iconic villain out there and it's not even close 
It is not a debate. Thanos, Joker, Homelander, they're great villains, but they do not come close to Darth freaking Vader. Is there any objection from you, Ethan? No, no objection here. You just got to hear him breathe, hear James Earl Jones say one line as Darth Vader, and he's iconic. He doesn't have his iconic theme song written for him in the second movie. He doesn't, he barely says a thing. I mean, his lightsaber choreography is, <laughs> I will say this, I'm not going to critique it because it's the first one, but it's it's horrible. <laughs> Their lightsaber fight is not good. It's not good because you have context of the prequels. That is true. As a cool, I don't know, you got to think about how this is the first time we're ever seeing laser swords in Star Wars. They weren't even called lightsabers in the original script. You know, laser swords. Were they not? In the movie, I think he calls Obi Wan. But in the original script, in the original script, they are just laser swords. So interesting. Yeah, it's cool just to see because. Yeah, now it it looks so boring. It's so bland and dull. But back then, and just looking at it as a sword fight, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. But with the context of everything we have now, it doesn't hold up to the fight that they had 20 years before this in Revenge of the Sith on Mustafar. Or even 10 years before this on oh, Jabim. Uh, true, true. <laughs> yes. But... Have you? I, I think I asked you this before. Have you seen the the scene thirty eight on YouTube? Yes. The recreation of that duel. I will so say this, cool. So good. I want to download and create like a physical copy of the movie with that duel in there. Just I know it. I know it doesn't really sliced add in to there. It, but that duel. I don't know. Is I so think you need the um, music. Yeah. Yeah. And the the quotes you have, oh, oh, like "You are my brother, Anakin," in the background uh-huh. during the duel, like. With the context, that duel becomes not great at all. I mean, even with Empire and Return of the Jedi. And I've said this to you before um, about Obi-Wan's death. If you were to start from the beginning, you watch episode one, episode two, episode three, then, I don't know, fill in the gap, whatever. You want to watch Rebels in there. You want to watch Andor now, Rogue One, Kenobi. There's so much to watch now, but whatever. The first three, you get Obi-Wan's story, and then this. That death, is that a satisfying death for Obi-Wan? I will say this. If it came out today, yes. yeah, I will say that's not satisfying. No. But in a way, you almost look at it as the most wise thing for George to do mm-hmm. at that point because he, he gives up voluntarily. Mm-hmm. He, he wasn't beaten. No, he never was. Yeah. I mean, arguably, you could say he would have been if the fight had gone on in his old age. Your power's a weak old man. But he gives himself up to the Force so as to be a greater ally mm-hmm. to Luke Skywalker. So it's just so Star Wars is one of the, the coolest stories ever told. There's no arguing there. But it's also one of the messiest stories ever told. Yes. Just with yes. how, even now, we're still getting. Uh, like Andor is in the rebellion era, and then you got Bad Batch going on a little earlier. Then you have the Mandoverse going on after. Even now, it's <laughs> so convoluted and messy, and just trying to sit down and explain the whole timeline to someone is a pain. And that also leads into, yeah, storytelling is going to be a little messy here. I mean, even back then, mm-hmm. you have. In the trailer, I mean, we were just talking about this, <laughs> yeah. but in the trailer, there's there's a line that says, Luke and Leia are lovers. From the moment he saw her image, 
help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. She's beautiful. He had to find her. I'm Luke Skywalker. I'm here to rescue you. Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. In danger. In love. In Star Wars. No legendary adventure of the past could be as exciting as this romance of the future. So anyone who says George Lucas had it planned out as fully as he did, I mean, maybe in the original, I mean, he's been right. He's so, been writing the story. Yeah, it's funny. Since. The interviews you see of him talking about his original plan and original script, they're all pretty close to after the prequels or bef- right before the prequels have been made. So he's had some time to work. Yeah. But you go back, you watch everything, you watch this movie, and you watch Empire, and yeah, the marketing going into this, the TV spots from back in the day. <laughs> Luke and Leia, I don't, I don't, they weren't they weren't planned to be siblings. They weren't. Mm, no. But George Lucas, he'll he'll claim that they were. I mean, obviously, he would say that. I mean, that's. I mean, even Kathleen Kennedy, she's been saying that this was always the plan to bring back Palpatine, and mm-hmm. then you have Daisy Ridley saying. You know, when the decision came to bring back Palpatine during nine, I was initially <laughs> it's yes, like, okay. Yeah. Clearly that was not the plan. So it's it's not new, but I mean, even now, the lore is so contradicting. I mean, there there's a person's whole job. I mean, Pablo Hidalgo's job is to be I believe his job title is lore advisor mm-hmm. for Star Wars. If I could have a dream job, that would be it. That would be my job. Lore advisor. <laughs> Lore advisor. Hey, you know, in this comic book, that, that's a pretty cool idea. Put that in your story. But no, I, but it's nice to just go back and even then have nothing to really worry about. Yeah. In this clean movie. slate. You have clean a clean slate. slate. It's, the, it's the first movie. And just going from scene to scene, you start off with these worrisome robots and then you get introduction to luke skywalker the main hero of your villain who is kind of whiny at the start but who goes through i mean one of the greatest character arcs in all of fiction across the three movies across his trilogy of films across the 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 five movies you're forgetting about the last jedi ben (laughs) don't talk about that i i really i really can't wait to talk about those movies but yeah i mean you have Luke, and then you get introduced to Han Solo and Chewbacca in one of the coolest sequences in the Cantina mm-hmm. sequence, which is iconic. And then you have Obi Wan talking about you fought in the Clone Wars. Just that line right there, and in, in the context that it has when he says that he was a good friend, mm-hmm. especially with the Clone Wars in mind, that line hits a lot. Yeah, and. Like, Alec Guinness didn't know any of this stuff would be out, but his emotions, the way he talks about Anakin, it all still works so well. I mean, we talk about the death scene and how if that happened now, we'd kind of be disappointed. But as far as, like, portrayal goes, Sir Alec Guinness, you you get a crown, sir. Absolutely. And I... I will stand by the fact that we've never had a bad Obi-Wan. Alec Guinness, Ewan McGregor, and James Arnold Taylor, those are the three main boys. At Who voices him in Rebels? James. Uh, ooh. Uh, Steven Stanton. Okay. And he, I mean, he does a great job. He does a great job, yeah. I mean, he's portraying Alec Guinness, and I mean, that's hard to do, but I think he does a great job. And I, I he, he's the voice also of um, Tarkin mm. in the Clone Wars and Rebels, but he... 
he's all over the place in that, but he, I think he does a great job. Originally, they were going to have James Arnold Taylor come in and try and do an older voice, but then Stephen Stanton came in and he did his voice. Yeah. And the crew was like, whoa. Like, we got to have that. We got to have that. This is who we did. Yeah. This is Alec Guinness. Holy cow. So that is cool. And another part of the, the, the how iconic this movie is, is, uh, and I'd shoot myself if I didn't mention the music by John Williams. How iconic. That must have been. I wish with all my heart that I could go back and be a fly on the wall in the room where George Lucas sits down and hears the music accompanying his film. Mm-hmm. Imagine that scene. It's pretty easy to work with Johnny because you sort of show him the cut of the movie and then you can see what's going on. It's, he's, I don't have to do much. He just goes and makes it beautiful. Mostly I leave John with the instructions of go ahead, save the movie. I need it. All of Johnny's cues are so great, and there's so many of them. You know, there's got to be at least, well, at least a half a dozen cues that are good as anything that's ever been written, as far as I'm concerned. You know, they're just brilliant symphonic music with very strong and powerful themes. Each one about a particular subject, whether it's the Force, whether it's the Empire, whether it's love, no matter what it is, they're just really great pieces of music. I mean, because think about it. I mean, really, really think about it. He's sitting there filming Luke Skywalker. I want you, I, 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 Luke, uh, Mark. I, I want you to, I want you to walk out on that, on that hill, and I, I just want you to look, look at, look at the sunset. And that's it. That's all you mm-hmm. get in that sequence. Yes. And then you have John Williams, who was recommended by Steven Spielberg. Hey, hire this guy. He's the greatest guy in in Hollywood. And he goes out and he, he composes. The binary sunset, which mm-hmm. eventually will become the force theme. Chills, man. <laughs> chills. You said it when we were watching it. You got chills yeah. watching that scene. You never won't. Because that scene. It epitomizes so much. Just to me, as a person, that scene means so much because everyone in their life, I don't care who you are, has felt the way that Luke is feeling in a way that is like stuck, you know? What is my plan in life? You know, it it becomes so much more than just, you know, a a movie at that Mm -hmm. point. Because when the music hits and he looks out there and the conversation previous that he has with Owen and it's, I guess I'm going nowhere. You know, I I guess I'll spend another season on the farm and when everyone else is going away, you know, to me in my life personally, that was how it was. Mm -hmm. All my friends in college went off to their schools and I was here. I was the only one in my graduating class of nine. So it's not that many, (laughs) but I was the only one and we were all close who stayed in Illinois. And mm-hmm. I watched all my friends go off to college. And it was like, I felt that. I felt sun. that way, yeah. man. Yeah. You, and so <laughs> it's, it's, it's poetic in a way. And he touches on certain elements of a family aspect, George Lucas does, and that really hits you. Yeah, and how let the listeners know how recently you graduated. I, I graduated high school or college. I graduated high school four years ago. Mm-hmm. So all your ago. friends four years ago. Four years so, ago. So you know, not only did you get to watch this movie growing up, you had all these feelings then, but now after life experience, you interpret that scene completely differently. 
And that <laughs> yeah. is that's that's what good media does. That's what good art does. The different stages of life it meets you there, and you can relate to it in that way. So that's just really really awesome to just hear that that this that scene gets you. I'm nervous when I'm nervous when <laughs> I become a father. Yes. And I have kids, you know? Like holy crap. But that I mean that's why ultimately these movies will leave such an impact is because it's about family. Mm-hmm. At the core of the I mean he said it himself, George has. It's about it's a family soap opera. Father and son and wife and kids. And, I mean but that's part of it. It's all part of it, man. And it's why it leaves you and the music leaves you on such a personal note. It's I mean, it's why I only listen to soundtracks. Yeah. It's because yeah. of John Williams and Star Wars that I only listen to soundtracks. You know? It's that good. The feelings and emotion that a, a good score can can convey and just draw uh, out of you. Yeah. It, I mean I mean even you and the, you're not the biggest movie score guy, but you can hum the Star Wars oh, theme. You can probably yeah, hum multiple Star this Wars movie, themes. The score is so key to this the success of this film and you you question that go watch any one of these scenes they're online without the, without John Williams score accompanying it. It's just not the same. You were saying what about the throne sequence? Yeah. The uh <laughs> the award sequence at the end there's a cut with uh, no 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 score and it just it's just weird. It loses all its feeling. Yeah, it does. Absolutely. So I could, I, I would be remiss without mentioning the music. Also, something we both noticed mm-hmm. in this <laughs> in this one is a very iconic quote from the prequels. Anakin, this is where the fun begins. I don't know how in my brain that I have never noticed this. Because I've seen this movie 500 yeah. times. Han and it's even Solo. in the trailers for this original movie back in the day. Han Solo says this is where the fun yes. begins in it- 1977. This is where the fun begins. It's crazy. Two of the most iconic one-liners from Revenge of the Sith were said first in this movie. We have hello there. And then this is where yes. the fun begins. Both said first in this film. In this movie. Like, <laughs> how does that work, man? How, how do you see this movie that many times and keep noticing things that are like, oh, oh my goodness. I never noticed that before. Context. It's all about context. And I think that's part of the reason why we wanted to do it is because not only do we have context for all of these other films and the prequels, and, but now we have a new piece of media, mm-hmm. Andor and Rogue One. To really enhance everything. Totally, yeah. And a big critique of this movie is how easy, easily the Rebels are able to blow up the Death Star. And the fact that they were retroactively able to fix that by not only giving us great characters, but telling a really good story in Rogue One <laughs> is just so impressive. Because now, oh, they can blow it up because that's the way it was designed. It was designed with a flaw. Just so cool. Because Star Wars can retroactively make itself worse at times, but also they can make themselves way better. And that's the weird part, and that's the weird relationship I have with with these movies, is that I would say I actively hate Star Wars almost as much as I love Star Wars. Hmm. In a way that will never be... No, you gotta lean more towards love. I do lean more, but... I mean, you underestimate how much I hate the sequels, but... <laughs> I, you I, underestimate my power! 
I, obviously, there's way more to love about Star Wars, and I, I mean, that's the biggest fan, but it's weird because by all accounts and purposes, I should like the MCU more. You know, it's way mm-hmm. more consistent, arguably. I mean, the last phase has been a, a little bit of a downset, but I mm-hmm. mean, it's way more consistent than anything, but mm-hmm. yet I have more of a love for mm-hmm. Star Wars. Why is why is that? You know, why is that the case? It's that it, I mean it's it's big, it's iconic, it's but so is the MCU, you know? I guess I guess Star Wars in a way hits me cl- closer. It's got to be the family soap proper element. It's <laughs> got to be. Maybe it is, man. <laughs> and just the yeah, MCU and MCU started off in a real world. And they built from there. They built from Iron Man. It's all built off reality. None of this is none of Star Wars is real world. I mean, you have your main characters who are human, right? I mean, that's that's real world. But Tatooine, I've never been to Tatooine. It's all just, it's so fantastical. It's so appealing. Yes. It's so fun and ad- adventurous. It's science fantasy, not mm-hmm. science fiction. All made up. I mean, in my opinion, it's not made up. It takes place in the galaxy far, <laughs> far away from here. It all happened. It's all true. <laughs> it's true. All of it. <laughs> nice. Okay. I like it. I like it. I like it. But I, they're, they're really, this movie, and in and of itself, it's just one of the best pieces of media ever. And it, like you said, I mean, it, there's gonna, it's going to be hard ranking this movie or, or even like scoring it, you know? But one of the great things about it is, is that I feel like this would be a more valid list because... I do know that we have very differing opinions uh, when it comes to Star Wars. I mean, you, these first two films, I don't think anyone can really debate, you know, how great they are. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to everything after that, I, I, we are have enough of a difference to where we can come evenly uh-huh. and give our full multiverse monologues score and ranking for this movie. It's going to be interesting to see where they all shake out. Yeah, yeah, and... Ju- <laughs> Just thinking about that is is crazy and just what we're trying to accomplish here. But going back to this movie, just everything really is just – you don't even think about how iconic everything is because we're so ingrained in Star Wars. But this is just – shout out to Marissa Williams. I watched the entire MCU with her um, last summer. So I got to watch all those movies and got to see her see it for the first time. And this summer – or that was two summers ago. Last summer she – made a documentary so she was too busy but this summer she's agreed to watch star wars with me so now i get i'm trying to i try to watch this movie through the eye of someone who who's never seen it before because i can't i can't like what what would someone when they see that death star for the first time think oh man you know do i envy your position yeah oh my goodness i i mean i remember when you were watching it with her and I was like, holy cow, what an epic time. Every MCU film with someone who's never seen it. That's mm-hmm. a treasure, man. It's almost as good as watching it as like your first time. Yeah. Because you're sitting there, you're, you're looking over, and you're like, oh, what are they thinking right now? And to see Star Wars? Yeah. There are so many ways you can do it. Obviously, I think. Well, do you know? I should say this. Do you know how? Yeah. Do you know how you're going to do it? I'm. Well, it's... I, I still don't know how much I'm going to show her either because OG Trilogy is a shoe in We're doing that. Got to do that. And then prequels. I would say you have to. I, I would say sure. if you're going to do anything, 
you have to do one through six. Mm-hmm. You have to. Because that is the story of Star yeah, Wars. Yeah, it's the, the middle stuff I'm trying to work out and the sequel stuff that I I'm would also say, trying to work out. I would say Rogue One is probably a must, mm-hmm. but do you show that to her first or do you show it afterwards? I would say after. See, that's why, that's why Star Wars is so hard. What's right, the watch right? order? Because I do think I want A New Hope to be the introduction to the, the world. The first thing. Because yeah. it just, it's got to be. It's, yeah. it, it was yep. written that way. And also, it doesn't hold your hand. Watching this movie, no part of this holds your hand and tells you what's happened. You just have to be, oh, yeah, the, you just accept it. You're like farm boy, space wizard, scoundrel, big old uh, Bigfoot <laughs> guy. Uh, all right, I'm in. I'm in. The scene in the Imperial War Room, the first or second scene in there, really hits you as like, whoa. They're talking about your sad devotion to that ancient religion. It like, what? Uh-huh. What are they talking about, man? So wait, Darth Vader was, he he was a part of that. And you're trying to sit here and think of it and put the pieces together. Obviously, I didn't have to do that because I knew who the Jedi Order was and everything like that. And it was like... Okay, all right. And then Tarkin says, you are the last one of that religion. You know, it's like, what? Yeah. I want to know more about yeah. the story. It's I so just, interesting. Just by extension. But, I mean, by all accounts and purposes, this is a short movie. I mean, barely over two hours. Mm-hmm. And, it, I mean, that it tells the story so well. Like, oh, the, the lines of extension dialogue, like, that they put in, like, Obi-Wan delivers it so well. Tarkin delivers it so well. Darth Vader talks about it a little bit. The last time I saw you, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. I want to see that, man. Yeah. I want to see that. And the, the the great thing they do with Darth Vader in this movie and, and all the movies is Darth Vader is the most menacing presence on screen. But you can tell he's not that guy. He's Tarkin. Tarkin has control of him in this movie. I don't. What's that guy's name that he, he's choking out? I, I don't know his name, but Admiral Mahdi. Yeah, Mahdi. He's he's choking him out in that one scene. Tarkin's like, release him. Like, t- that's Vader's that's Vader. Yeah. So seeing that, and then later seeing with the Emperor, it just it's like Darth Vader. He like we call him the greatest villain of all time, but here he is being being pushed around by Tarkin and the Emperor. I would say, as far as the best written villain. Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, as, as as much as people want to crap on the prequels at times, the backstory that they give him is amazing and adds so much context. Because we were talking about Order of the Films. I have often wanted to, and maybe we'll do this, mm-hmm. watch four, five. Go back to one. Go back yeah. one, two, three with all the context, and then watch six. Redemption. And yes. watch the redemption. Mm-hmm. I wonder how that would go. Maybe we'll do that. Maybe not. I, I, I'm leaning towards a no. But I've often wondered how that would go over with all that context. Because in Return of the Jedi, if you've only seen two, you get the redemption of a father by the son. Mm-hmm. But if you've seen everything, you get... And especially now with the, the new edits and the re-releases, George Lucas heavily plays into everything that comes before it. When you have the celebration scene when the Empire is defeated and the second Death Star is blown up, you see all these locations from the prequels. And then even, which we can talk about when we get to Return, the, the Hayden Christensen Force Ghost, that is, 
I don't know. That, that's something. That, uh, that's all I'll say here. We're talking about a new we hope. Will, we, yeah, we will talk about that for sure. I will say this. I love that sequence. I think the addition of John Williams' victory celebration theme mm-hmm. is way better than the Yub Nub Wookiees, Ewok song. Oh, come on. I like, no. Come on. This one I will take to my grave, man. I love victory celebration. But that's a discussion for another time, which we will get to. Yeah, going back to this movie. So we were fresh off Andor, season one. And Andor will lead right into Rogue One, and Rogue One helped make this movie even better than it was. But with the context of Andor, what, what to you stands out most now in A New Hope? More of the Death Star. And I would say it really focuses on the rebellion in Andor and the small scale. Mm -hmm. So during times of this movie, when you're watching this, because what they did, they essentially took small characters in Andor and the the rebel spies that stole the plans and made a huge story about it. Mm -hmm. So when you're watching these rebels, like Biggs Darklighter or any of the pilots in the sequence, Porkins, Wedge, Gold Leader, Red Leader, any of those guys, it's like, what did they? What did they do to get here? Mm-hmm. You know, if I'm, I'm what sure, choices Cassian, have they made? Right. Yeah. I'm sure Cassian yeah. was not the only one who, you know, as he puts it in Rogue One, everything I did, I, I did terrible. I've done terrible mm-hmm. things for the rebellion. You know, what did they do to get here? Give me Jack Pork. Give me a Porkins story, a yeah. TV show based yeah. on Porkins. You know, but stuff like that. You know. Yeah, and you saying that just it. It's got me thinking about Han Solo and the icon that he is, but it's, it's got me thinking about the the, Sean, the Han shot first scene. I like, I don't know, George Lucas is thinking in that. It, <laughs> uh, it confuses me, especially when you have Vader massacring tons of kids in the prequel, and now Han can't shoot one bounty hunter who has a gun pointed at him. And it... I just love seeing that the evolution of Star Wars because now we have Cassian Andor, who in all ways is a Han Solo archetype. He just is. Yep. But he's they're able to in this day and age amplify him, make him grittier, make him do more in this rebellion. And yeah, straight up a couple times in the show, he just straight up shoots dudes, just without even th- thinking. They don't even have guns pointed at him. You're saying that why did why the heck did George Lucas change that because he didn't want Han to seem like a gritty, yeah, dude. yeah. It's like, wh- why would you keep it in, man? It that's, made him that's cooler. the appeal, yeah, <laughs> right. He's not Luke Skywalker, goody two shoes. He's not a good guy, and the, the contrast is what makes their relationship so fun. You have small, humble farm boy who hasn't seen anything, and then you have uh, this scoundrel, you know, smuggler. What do you think? It's like I just want my money. I'm a guy like me, yeah, no. <laughs> I don't think so. That's great, man. I love that. And obviously, I mean, you can't talk about this movie without talking about Carrie Fisher, Princess Leia. May she rest in peace. Dude, I remember where I was when the news hit. Mm-hmm. I was right after Rogue One, like days after Rogue One had premiered. and Last Jedi was starting up its marketing and everything like that. And it was like Carrie Fisher passed away. And it was like, dang, holy crap. It was the first time I remember being actually like, not affected because I wouldn't say anything has really affected me when it comes to it's very sad when celebrities die, but yeah, I don't ever like I mean, I didn't know them personally, uh-huh. so it's sad, very sad, but I don't like 
it's never truly affecting, but it was the first time where I really felt like, whoa, dang, that's huge, man. That's a character I grew up with who was iconic in this movie. Who, mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm, <laughs> in this day and age, a lot of Disney Star Wars is, you know, boycotting fans for not liking the female characters yeah. and Rey. And I always like to point to the fact that we have always had strong Star Wars female characters since 1977 in Princess Leia. Yeah, and I leaned over to you while we were watching this. Like, dang, look look at her with that blaster. Like, what would that be like to be a little girl in the theater in 1977? You just see Princess Leia shooting stormtroopers and the menace that is Darth Vader interrogating her. And she's just so stoic. She's so calm. She even lies right to Vader's face. How, how cool is that? I, you kind of lose that in the, in the juggle that is Star Wars. But Princess Leia is a super cool character. Never has Star Wars had any problem with portraying female character. And I don't even think that's the problem with Rey either. You know? Like, that's that's not the issue. The issue is making her as powerful as mm-hmm. she is without any training. But that I mean that's a conversation for another day. But I mean she's great in this. She is she does not she is the complete opposite of a damsel in distress. She is the one to escape from the stormtroopers, to shoot open that which eventually gets them in trouble, but they get out of that eventually. But she I mean she is great. No performance in this movie I would say is bad. No, no, none of them. But that begs the question. What to you is your favorite performance? Oh, in this movie? Dang it. Who do you like the most? So I'm going Alec Guinness because I don't. Straight up. This is our only movie with him. It is. So I'm going to take him and. Well, I I, I wouldn't say that. He makes appearances in in five and six as a force goes. I mean, as a full full character. character and just. Yeah, I'll take him in this one because. I just love every line of dialogue he has. And just knowing him is just like, he's just a space wizard. That's just what they call him. But he's a Jedi. He's a Jedi. And every line of dialogue he has is just so like, dang, that, that, like, you could listen to Obi Wan Alec Guinness say anything in this movie, and it will speak to you on an emotional level. And something I quote from him all the time my friends were playing basketball, you know making shots, they call me lucky. I'm like, nah, in my experience, there's no such thing as luck. I quote that probably on the daily. And just seeing him, because he's a legit actor in this movie. The, we, we talked about One earlier how yep. yeah, Hamill and Ford weren't serious until Alec Guinness, when he was on set, they'd respect him. And I think you see that portrayal in the way he plays a character and just the way he wants to mentor Luke. And it's only added by everything that comes before it with the prequels. And as bad as parts of Kenobi are, there there is an emotional level that you can't draw from it. Absolutely. And I'll say this about him. George Lucas regretted killing him off mm. because now where do you go from here? Him killing him off is the reason Yoda exists. Yeah. You need that master yeah. character to teach about the Force. You do. Because Obi-Wan only got so far. But I'm mad you said that because I was going to pick him too. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> I can still pick him, but I, I want to be different. And I want to say that Han Solo. Harrison is, Ford, yeah. Uh, even as a kid, man. I will say I never felt – there's a lot of people who say Luke is their 
childhood hero. And I'm all about that. And I love Luke. Like, don't get me wrong. Luke Skywalker is so great. But Han Solo, when I was a kid, if I was to be any character from the original trilogy, I'd be Han Solo. Because it was like, he was the cool guy with the, the blaster. He's the epitome of like the cowboy western. He's got a, he's got a, oh, a blaster pistol by his side. Dude, he's got an epic spaceship, dude. We didn't even talk about the Millennium Falcon. How iconic is that ship? Come on, man. And if the I, castle run in 12 parsecs. Or parsecs? What is it? What is parsec, this? yep. Parsecs. I love their, their scene when they go up and down in the gunner seats mm-hmm. and they're blasting those yes. TIE fighters. Great kid, don't get cocky, you know? Uh-huh. And, he, and I love their interaction with him and Obi-Wan and where <laughs> where he's like, it's the ship that made the Kessel Run. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Obi-Wan's like, yeah, should the, I have? The Alagettas, <laughs> he's like, bro, you know I don't care. Right. And then negotiating he does. Yeah. He's like, yeah. Uh, what's the price we they agree on? We can give you 2,000 credits now and 17 once we reach Alderaan. 17. Yeah, then they walk away, and he's like, Chewie, this chump, <coughs> they must really be desperate, you know? Yeah. It, it's great. And it, Chewbacca, too. Those two guys, getting them in the same scene. Chewbacca is so underrated. He never he, gets talk about He's that. one of my favorite characters yes. in Star Wars. He, You want to talk about constant Chewbacca? Yes. He's always there. He, he doesn't really say much, but he's always there, and... I still, to this day, get sad when I watch Force Awakens yeah. and Han dies. And you the first thing is Chewbacca's... Yeah. Like, dude, it, it really hits you. It hits. Yeah. You don't think about Chewbacca, though. He is there as brute force and muscle in the co-pilot. And it's like a catalyst for all the other mm-hmm. characters. But he's the constant, man. He's their constant. It's so great. And I love how George Lucas came up with the idea of Chewbacca. He... He said he'd just drive in his car and he'd have his, his dog in the passenger seat with him. And he said the image that that evoked just made him, inspired him to have this, a dog-esque character in the cockpit with Han Solo. And it's, you, you can't kill the dog. You can't kill the dog. Chewie's going to live forever. And he just is that iconic character and the consistency and the look. And he's just, he looks so yes. cool. He's got such a cool look. He does actually have a death in the expanded oh, universe. Oh, does he? Um, they made, in the early 2000s, they made these novels called um, the, the New Jedi Order. That's what it is. And then the very first novel set, I would say, 40 years after um, A New Hope, this movie, uh, a force from outside the galaxy attacks the Yuzon Vong, is what they're called, which I think would be such a great Star Wars movie if they brought those in there. They come, and Chewie, in helping the rebels, pilots a ship into a star and Mm. sacrifices himself. Mm. But they would never do that in live action. I don't think Chewie would ever be killed. He's he's a constant man. But I would say Han Solo, circling back, would be the next best performance. I would also say Alec Guinness. I like the Imperial side gets great, too. I like the mention of the Emperor. Those little mentions of the, the, the Imperial Senate, yeah. which we finally got to yes. see in Andor. But I would say Han Solo is for sure my favorite. If you had to think of a favorite scene from this movie, I, <laughs> I feel like I know what you're going to say. But, I mean, we got to talk about it. So, I mean, we may have already. It's hard. I, favorite scene. I love that you say you think I know what I'm going to say because sitting here right now, I don't know what I'm going to say. Because I think 
to me, every scene is just so good in its own way. I mean, I love, I love seeing the cantina for the first time. That is so cool. That's just so Star Wars. Seeing mm-hmm. all those characters and all these creatures. There's what one human, a couple humans in that whole the cantina. Bartender, and then like one guy Obi Wan talking. Yeah, and then a guy in a NASA suit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so Star Wars. But I think my favorite scene is. When Alec Guinness is telling, or when Obi-Wan is telling Luke about the Force for the first time. How did my father die? A young Jedi named Darth Vader, who was a pupil of mine until he turned to evil, helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi Knights. He betrayed and murdered your father. Now the Jedi are all but extinct. Vader was seduced by the dark side of the Force. The Force? The Force is what gives the Jedi his power. It's an energy field created by all living things. It surrounds us, it penetrates us, it binds the galaxy together. I know the the sunset scene is, is great, but I think all the lore packed in there and just seeing... Yeah, we were great friends, you know. I, I love I love that. that you fought that, in the Clone Wars? Yeah. And just the intrigue that Luke yeah. has. And we didn't there's a whole deleted scene Luke was introduced much earlier in the original cut of this film, and I actually think it is really smart just to have the droids at the focus. And we actually paused it. It was seventeen minutes into the movie mm. when Luke first appears on the screen. So I think doing that is super cool. And cause if you hadn't seen any of the promotional stuff. You just assume, okay, so C-3PO and R2 are they're our main characters now. We're going to follow them. But, no, it, it's Luke and just the the message he receives from R2. Mm. Help me, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You're my only hope. You know, from Princess Leia. And he's like, oh, man, 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 maybe. You, think, you think she means old Ben? You know, just the legend of old Ben. So cool. So cool. And then finally getting to have them sit down and talk to each other. And also, it's built on even more with the hate Uncle Owen kind of expresses towards towards old Ben earlier in the film. That was just a crazy old man. Yeah, yeah. I love Obi-Wan's line. Now, that's a name I've not heard in a long time. Mm -hmm. Long time. There's a... Ten years to be exact. On YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) There's a... uh, There's a... On YouTube, there's a... A tribute yes. to Obi Wan yes. and the whole thing starts off the first scene. It's it is one of the greatest tributes to any character on YouTube ever. It's Obi Wan oh. Kenobi. It's by Heroes Fan Production. Check it out if you haven't seen it. And it starts off with that scene, and Luke goes, "I wonder if he's a relative of yours. Do you know? Him? Of course I know. Him. He's me. That's a name I've not heard in a long time." And they play music in the background, mm-hmm. and it quick flashes through all of his past. And you see Clone Wars, Satine dying, Anakin turning to the dark side, Vader. And it's like, wow, holy cow, how much has he been through? Holy cow. Mm-hmm. And it's all in those lines of dialogue that you say. I could, I, I've talked about the twin son. It's undoubtedly my favorite scene in the, in the movie. It means so much to me. But I'll say this in that we haven't really talked about the Death Star sequence Mm -hmm. at all. That whole thing 
it's a miracle that that looks as good as it does. Yes, for it being is. Filmed in 1977, <laughs> a full-on space battle that looks as good as that. I mean, there were times though when they're in their ship and it's like, yeah, it, and they're going all over the place. There's <laughs> age in this movie. There's age. Yes, but it's. I mean, that whole sequence is so spectacular, and even watching it now, I've seen it so many times. Stay on target. Stay on target. Almost there. I'm I'm sitting in my seat and I'm like, you're almost tensing up because you're like, oh my gosh, are they gonna are they gonna get there? Are they gonna get there? Are they gonna get there? Oh my gosh! And so that whole sequence is fantastic. And then when Han comes in, you're all kidding. Now it's you're all clear. Let's pull. Yeah, yeah. And I remember that big time from the Lego game. That's the only thing he said. <laughs> yeah. It was the one line of dialogue they ripped from the movie, <laughs> but I it it is so iconic, man. So. Close second the is trench the run. trench run sequence. The OG Maverick. The OG Maverick. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly, man. I, If there was one thing that your biggest critique of this movie, what would it be? For me, I think it is uh, kind of emotions and the way they handle death. I think it isn't quite right. Because... I don't know. Leia's whole planet blows up. Mm. They could definitely linger. Ling, if it was made now, they'd linger more on characters' emotions and feelings. And even George George Lucas um, directed Mark Hamill when Uncle Owen uh, is it Baru or Peru? I know Baru. Yeah, Baru. I know some people say Peru, and I get confused all the time. <laughs> but when Uncle Owen and Aunt uh, I, I forgot again. Yeah, Baru. Baru. Yep. When they die, Mark Hamill's initial reaction was to get on his knees and cry, sob, mm. and George, George Lucas directs him, "No, do it. Do what you see in the movie." He looks away and then he looks at it. To me, I think I would have liked him to sob. Personally, I would have liked to see that more because it feels more real. It's like those are those are your parent right. parent figures. I think I think you have to cry there, and also. You know, uh, Bail Organa, he dies on Alderaan. Now, with the context that we have, Leia's whole planet blows up. I don't think she, you ever really see her portray that. And then even when Obi-Wan dies, I know Luke didn't know him for too long. You do get a little scene of him, you know, fidgeting in, in the Falcon with Leia. But I, that's my one critique with this movie. Is mm. I think emotion-wise, it could have done a little better. It could have done more. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's not especially I mean, with the score. It's never yeah. without no nothing, and I will say this: nothing is without criticism. Mm. Nothing, as good as a movie is, I, I agree with you on that. I, except on the Luke part, I like the decision to turn away and then look back in a way that's like, no, I'm gonna sit here, I'm gonna dwell with this anger. Yeah, like that. That I like. He builds up the anger towards. The Empire, and it makes him want to destroy the yeah. Empire even more than he already did. That's cool. But I just think they don't use the death hmm. in a way later. That's fair. It, it kind of just it brushes away. And you does he even address them in the next films? Those are legit his parental figures. Regardless of if he loved his life or not, he's got good feelings towards them in some way. I guess a lot of that gets overshadowed by the fact that Darth Vader. he does have a father. Yeah. And he can connect with his yeah. father. So, yeah. But also, we have to. Conflict. 
I'll throw it just because Guardians is fresh in my mind. Guardians 2. Uh, Yondu. Hmm. You know, same deal. Ego is P- Peter Quill's real father. But he wasn't his daddy. Wasn't his daddy, yeah. So it's it, it, kind of like that. You, mm. you could see Owen being the Yandu, but you know, that's not the direction it took. That's fine. That's just if we are trying to critique this movie in some way, that's where I'd bring it up. So I would say that when I was, when I was younger, I used to think this was one of the most boring Star Wars hmm. movies. I, I Now, being as mature as I am, <laughs> mature. it means a lot more to me. Yeah. But when I was younger, this was like my least favorite one. Mm-hmm. Like I would always, because it had, in my opinion, the space battle was cool, but it was aged, and then, and it didn't compare. It paled in comparison to the lightsaber fights. Spectacle wise, yeah, it it's the it's probably the least of any of the Star Wars movies, and especially when you grew up with Clone Wars so heavy and right. I mean, Han and Luke putting on the stormtroopers suits. That is iconic. Yeah. But it is played to death in Star Wars Rebels, the show. Yes. They do it like every episode. So it kind of loses its coolness and uh, undercover. It's cool then. But right. yeah, I, I get what you're saying. When you're a little kid or even someone who kind of just doesn't really care, this yeah. this can come across boring. Because you, you do focus on those droids for the first chunk of the movie. And I, I so I would say that. That's not a critique I have right mm-hmm. now, but I'll say if we are bringing up problems as a kid, yeah. I used to think that. And I, I wanted to say that, but I, I almost forgot to do it. But I'm glad to do it here. But other than that, man, A New Hope, Star Wars, call it whatever you want nowadays. I, I'm calling it A New Hope, Episode 4. I love this movie, man. It's a great time watching it. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah. It was a very nice thing to do. Are we Are we watching everything together? <laughs> that'd, be very, that'd be very enjoyable if, if we time permits yeah if we can that'd be really cool it'd be cool to see what you think of the holiday special <laughs> but I mean we've now come to the time where we have to rank this man oh yeah we've got to rank well I will say this not ranking it yet because it's the first but we've got to we've got to put give it a score we gotta give yeah, it a score give it a score gotta give so it this a score. as far as ranking goes is my number one movie so far that we've watched easily I'd, I'd probably agree with that <laughs> Out of one of one, this one is the one. But you have to give it a score out yes. of ten. Mm-hmm. So where would you put Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope? Let's go. Oh, this is, this is where the fun begins. This I this movie's so great. It has been embedded in me from a young age, and just having the Lego games and the toys. My dad had the Hasbro Death Star. So I got to play on that growing up at my grandma's house and just getting to re replay this movie with those toys. So much nostalgia goes into this and I just have so much love for this movie and all the characters and just the introduction to Star Wars and just everything that comes from this. So this, this is, it's not a 10. It's not a 10 for me. It, it does have that age to it and kind of that old school filmmaking where I think if it was made nowadays, emotions would be more center. And not that they're not. I just think the older way of storytelling, it, it's different. It's different now. Movies are made different now. There's no denying that. And yeah, I, I don't have too much I dislike about this movie, but I do think that there are two Star Wars movies better than this one that follow it directly. 
And I know you've got feelings about episode six. But right now, I'm going to put this at an 8.5. 8.5. And this this ranking, if you want to put this next to our Marvel rankings, it won't work. No. They're different. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. We have different scalings for it, if that makes any sense. Because you're like, Ethan, you just gave Iron Man an 8.6. Okay, yeah, g- g- give me some room. This is this is our Star Wars Completely rankings. Completely yeah. different. I didn't grow up. I don't have early memories of Iron Man smash. I mean, I do, but not 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 this I'm, early. I remember yeah. the first yeah. time I saw Iron Man. Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Like this is a whole different ball game. So this is how we're feeling, and also it's. I mean, it's twenty twenty two, almost twenty twenty three. So I mean, I, I I could have scored these different at a different time in my life. So. It gets Star Wars always is ever changing. Revenge of the Sith mm-hmm. is at a different place for me now because of Clone Wars and the expanded material that enhances the mm-hmm. movie. It's that much better. So I like that 8.5 for you. Uh, I would say, f- as far as critiques goes, the age, I don't know if. It, it plays a part in it, but I don't think I knock it for anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's, I mean, it's, dude, it, it's one of the most iconic movies of all time. It revolutionized Hollywood. It means so much to me now. The older I get, the more I appreciate the movie for doing what it did. Every part of this film, I mean, it, it's, it feels like this movie gets better and better as it goes along. Each act gets better and better until you finally have this epic climax on a Death Star. Every character is engaging. I don't have a lot of bad things to say. That mixed with nostalgia, mm-hmm. I give this. I give Star Wars Episode Four a nine. Oh, nice. I'm giving this yeah. movie a nine. For me, there there is no question the importance of this film. It is it is one of my favorite Star Wars films ever made, and. It gets a nine for me, and I believe our average would come out to eight point seven five. Correct? I don't know. I'm not Micah. I don't have the the little. I think d- that's what it is. The sheet up. I think that's what it is. Eight point seven five. Let's do, let's do a little. Let's do, let's do a little quick math right here. Yep, eight point seven five. You got it. Eight. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Yep. It it deserves to be in the pantheon, but it, it's going to be interesting to see where it shakes out because I think we both like Empire a lot, and mm-hmm. that'll be a lot more praise. But after that, seeing where it all ranks between us both mm-hmm. is going to be very, very. It will interesting. be. It was so fun. And as far as the, the this doesn't have to be now, or I'm not. We don't really have a scheduled time for how long this will take. Because whenever we're available and we're free and Mike is free, we're doing the Marvel Movie Marathon. Yep, that's so the priority. The However long this takes to do this, I have to ask a question. Are tell Is television going to come into play? I, I am very much and, open to that, more so than I am MCU, mm-hmm. because there are fewer projects in Star Wars. And I'll say, like, I'm very open to it. Mm-hmm. Like Mando. I, I've been meaning to rewatch that for a long time. So we could do that. We could do any of those other I mean we don't even and then have I to think, rewatch them. But I think it would be really cool to rank like seasons of shows in this. Whoa. Like where Clone Wars season one would fall. 
I think that'd I be, so I think that. that'd be really cool to do that. I am that. so into that. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. You're really, you're really. <laughs> I mean, we got no time right. limit on this. We don't so have to. We can go as long as we want. But I, I will say this. I very much enjoyed this yeah. conversation. This has been excellent between the both of us. 8.75 is your score for Star Wars Episode Four: A New Hope. Look forward to Incredible Hulk coming one of these weekends. Who knows what you'll get first? You never know. Incredible Hulk, or it could be episode... Oh, I shouldn't say that. I shouldn't say that, man. Because it's the next Christmas time, baby. <laughs> it is Christmas time, and we will be doing... We will be doing <coughs> Star Wars, the holiday special. And let me tell you this. I have seen this. I have seen it before, only once. And I, I am dreading watching this movie again. Because I don't even know if you can call it a movie. But guess what? It's a holiday special. You can find it, not on Disney+, Plus, not on any other streaming service, but the on The same YouTube. place you can find Elektra oh my on gosh. YouTube. Yes. For free. For free. Unedited. And it's cool. I watched part of it before this, and we can talk about it next week, but the CBS special presentation little intro they yeah. have, the MCU took that exact intro, kind of made it their own. Oh, really? And it's now the intro to the specials in the MCU. So it's it's like poetry. It rhymes. Very, very cool. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. So look forward to that because that is going to be an entertaining <laughs> piece of conversation. I guarantee you. So that's coming up, but it's Christmas time. So that's kind of the reason we're doing it. So if you've enjoyed this conversation, please follow. On, you know what? I'm not going to say that. I don't want to say that. We've already said that. <laughs> Ethan, is there anything else you want to say about Star Wars first, the OG, or have we pretty much covered everything? Uh, it's hard to cover everything in True. this movie because there's so much that goes into it. But I just want to give a shout out to Tarkin. You know, it's this is his death movie. We got he's he's iconic. He's iconic, and he goes, he leaves, and. Yeah, I don't, I don't got too much to say right now at this moment. I'm sure as we talk about the holiday special and <laughs> five and six that we will reference this movie a ton. I'm glad we're doing this because, I mean, I love, right now I'm so into Star Wars, right? And it, having these conversations, especially as time goes on with the more movies we get into, I'm so excited to do this with you, Ethan. It's going to be great. So this has been Rayside. I'm Ethan Wensloff. And we all hope you have an absolutely fantastic day, and may the Force be with you.